What's up, Meryl? Hey, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back with our podcast, Field Podcast. It has been a few months, and we are in 2022, which I just can't believe. Can you? Mm -mm. I super can't believe it. It makes no sense. Time makes no sense. But apparently we're here. Apparently, apparently 2022 is a thing, and it's happening. Yeah, and it's been happening. Yeah, and we're almost done with the first month in 2022, and it, and it's crazy because right out the gate, when we got back to work, uh, we've been going a million miles an hour, had our media symposium, which was great, mm-hmm. um, and then on that same day, we released our 2022 edition of the Top 10 Issues to Watch. Top 10! And coupled with that, the legislative session has kicked off, so we've been busy. We've been very busy. Um, um. And now we're busy with field notes. Now we're doing a podcast about it. Absolutely. Um, I'm very excited about our conversation today, which is with Cindy Kicklighter and Tamika Boone, who are both with DECAL's Nutrition Division, um, talking about the program that they have in place for, uh, it used to be called Summer Food Service Program. It is now Happy Helpings. We'll talk about that. Um, But it is making sure that our students, school-age kids are eating this summer. Uh, It's really exciting stuff. Yeah, and for those who don't know, DECAL is the Department of Early Care and Learning. And they take care of our tiny children and make sure that they are all right. Yeah, very critical part of the birth to work pipeline. So I'm excited to hear from Tamika and Cindy, and I know it was a rich conversation and uh, the folks listening will certainly benefit from from the uh, interview you did. Um, I hope so. And for those of you, if you have not yet picked up your top 10 issues to watch, or it is right in line with issue number three, talking about um, non-academic barriers to student achievement. Um, food security is absolutely one of the five social determinants of health that affects student well-being the most. So it is, it's super in line with the rest of our work. And it's a pretty exciting conversation, including ways that you, our listening audience, can get involved. Awesome. Well, I am ready to get into it, Meryl. Let's do it. Hello, listening audience. I am delighted about our conversation today. We are going to be talking about how DECAL's nutrition division is ensuring Georgia's kids are having access to meals and snacks this summer. Um, And here to talk about it, we have not one, but two exciting guests. Um, Can y'all introduce yourselves? Let's start with Tamika. Sure, thanks for having us, Meryl. My name is Tamika Boone. I work for the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, um, specifically on the Director of Nutrition Services. And we basically administer two federal nutrition programs that we're gonna talk a little bit about today. So I appreciate the opportunity to come chat with you. Wonderful, and Cindy. Good morning. My, uh, I am the Marketing and Outreach Manager for DECAL's Nutrition Services Division. And in my role, I'm responsible for recruiting and the retention of organizations that participate in the federal nutrition programs, which are um, the Child and Adult Care Food Program and Happy Helpings, which is Georgia's food, Summer Food Service Program. Very exciting. I am so excited to have you both with us today. Thank you for joining us um, and for this opportunity to shine a light on this program. Um, The Summer Food Service Program, we know, provides millions of healthy meals and snacks um, to children across Georgia who are having food insecurity issues. Tamika, talk to us a little bit, if you will, about how the program works. What's a, give us a, give us a big picture. 
Sure, the big picture is the Summer Food Service Program is a really important program because it is a program that's looking to bridge the gap for children when school um, breaks for the summer. And so as we know, children are used to getting meals and snacks, healthy meals and snacks when they're in school. But when school breaks for the summer, the question is how are children gonna to continue to get access to those healthy meals and snacks? And that's when the summer food service program um, really becomes really important because it's providing access to meals out per, primarily in low, low income areas. And, and so we're basically providing financial reimbursement to our program operators or what we call our sponsors for every free and healthy meal and snack they're providing to children in low income areas. So it's federally funded, as we mentioned, it's funded by the US Department of Agriculture, administered by our department, by the Georgia DECAL, and we're always looking for our partners or program operators to continue to serve meals out in their communities. I know that when the pandemic first hit, can you believe two years ago, um, but everybody went home. And so that issue of access to when the schools went you know, offline, virtual, remote, um, and everybody, all the students went home, that access to healthy meals became critically important and really rose to the forefront of people's minds. So I think it, it this is a, so important to be talking about um, that food insecurity. And, and, and during summer, it just, you know, that's when school is out. So that's when it, it, it it's always been an issue. Um, but there's a better, there's a bigger light on it now. Um, Cindy, the summer food service program has been rebranded. You as the manager of marketing, um, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about happy helpings. What's the, what's, what's going on there? Yes. So we recently rebranded the name. The summer food service program is just really generic. So we wanted an identity that would um, better attract potential sponsors and also the families that we work with so that we can expand the program, grow it, and essentially feed more kids this summer. So we feel like Happy Helpings is fun and it's kid-friendly and it's just a better match for connecting with those audiences. And the public's going to start seeing Happy Helpings, the name and the logo on all of our um, advertising that's statewide, online promotions and social media. But the one thing I do want to mention is that this program is still the Summer Food Service Program. It will still operate in the same way. It has not changed in that way. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, I do love your new logo. <laughs> Thank you. That's it, cute. It looks, it looks <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes you smile and friendly to me <laughs> yes, it, it, it makes you smile for sure <laughs> absolutely and then I know you guys you've got a new website too right yes yeah in addition to the new name and logo we created a website and it's happyhelpingsga.com so happyhelpingsgeorgia.com and the site is really for two potential audiences one would be our organizations that are interested in participating in um, Happy Helpings. It offers a wealth of information about the program and they can, the organizations can actually pre-qualify for the program by filling out an online form. The second group that we're really focused on would be our families and guardians. When the, when the program starts this summer, um, they will be able to go online and see how to find uh, meal sites in their community. So it, it's a great resource. But I would still encourage the families and guardians to check out the site now because there's a lot of nutrition education resources on like uh, healthy recipes and activities and farm to school information or farm to summer information. So it's, it's a great resource for anyone that's interested in nutrition. And again, the URL is happyhelpingsga.com. 
Perfect. Perfect. Um, so Tamiko, back again, when schools did close unexpectedly during the pandemic and and everybody in my circle um, working with the rural learning networks, we uh, we work with schools, we work with family connections and other nonprofits. Um, we work with the chamber and business industry and they sort of the entire community at large became incredibly focused on how do we get food to children and families. Um, so this program that uh, used to be the summer feeding, pro right? Traditionally operated during the summer or during the summer. Um, you guys really stepped up and, and, and a lot of folks really stepped up. Can we talk about that impact and the need for that access to not just food, but healthy food? Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. A, a lot of folks really stepped up. And, you know, we talk about Happy Helpings, our summer food service program, but Happy Helpings really is just one tool in the toolbox to meet that need, even pre-pandemic, and especially during the pandemic. There's a lot of other uh, partners at the table who are working to address food insecurity in Georgia. And so Happy Helpings specifically really did step up as well. So immediately in March 2020, sponsors came to the table and they raised their hand and said, we want to start serving meals. We want to make sure that children are getting access. And so uh, basically from March 2020 uh, all the way through August 2021, through Happy Helpings, uh, over 20 million meals were served to children. Um, so 20 we were 20 million. million meals. And that's, again, just one piece of the pie. We had, I'm sure everybody saw the schools working exceptionally hard. A lot of other nonprofits, food banks, everybody was really doing their part. Um, but Happy Helping specifically served 20 million meals in that time period. We worked with over you know, 70 sponsors. They had feeding sites at over over a thousand locations across the state. Uh, across the state. And, and we were in over 80 counties in Georgia. And so we're really proud and really appreciative of everybody who stepped up to meet the need and to serve those 20 million meals last year. It's amazing. That is fantastic. That is such a direct impact and it's such a critical impact i'm useless if i'm hungry um absolutely <laughs> so it's just life-changing um and of course and 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 the insecurity issues have really ex been exacerbated i mean we are looking at high unemployment rates um we are looking at a lot of economic hardship across the state um what are you guys seeing of those impacts on families in Georgia? Yeah, absolutely. When you look at some of the data, the Georgia Food Bank Association is estimating that one in six children or about 16% are currently food insecure in Georgia. So as a result, I mean, you're having families really struggling to feed their children. We all have experienced, you know, high food costs. There are medical issues going on. There's employment challenges, all of which are just collectively creating a really critical economic um, challenge right now. So, you know, families are having to make some tough decisions. Are, am I purchasing medications? Am I buying food? Am I paying my utility bills? And so, you know, it's really had a, a really um, unfortunate impact on Georgia families. And that's why, again, we need all the partners that we can to try to address it and help families as much as possible. And this is terrible. I mean, that's very scary statistics. And and I say that from the comfort and safety of uh, my house where I have food in the fridge. I mean, it's just, it's heart It's heartrending. Um, and we, we always say like everybody has had a pandemic, but everybody has not had the same pandemic. Um, talk to me over where, 
the insecurity is hitting the hardest. I know it's statewide. I know that there are pockets of of poverty and economic instability across the state, but where where is this concentrated? Well, you're right. It really is a statewide issue, um, but we know that certain areas are definitely going to be hit hardest. As you mentioned, some of the rural areas, they definitely have a unique and different set of challenges than some of our more urban areas. But but overall, food insecurity is a statewide issue. Um, but I, I will point out that last summer, 74 Georgia counties did not have a Happy Helpings meal site. And our goal is to have at least one Happy Helpings meal site in every county in Georgia. Um, but But specifically, we are focusing on 10 counties. We want, we want a mill site in every county, but we are really trying to narrow our focus on 10 counties in Georgia where we feel we can have the greatest impact. Because not only did those counties not have a happy helping site last year, but they also have a child food insecurity rate of greater than 30%. So we know that we really can have an impact in those counties. And if you mind, if you don't mind, I'd like to just call those out really quickly for your no, hit it. Hit it. Um, let's so call them out. Ten. Let's go. So Clay County, we're, we're looking at you, Clay mm-hmm. County, Randolph County, Terrell County, Turner County, Crisp, Early, Stewart, Telfair, Dougherty, and Trotland. Um, and so we're looking at those 10 counties specifically. We're always looking for meal sites and potential sponsors that can meet the need um, to, to serving children in those areas. Is that the, is that what we need? I mean, you're, you're the, the list you just red is like close to my heart. We we target rural Georgia, right? Um, and so when we talk, we need partners and we need sponsors. Is that, and sites, are those the sort of critical components to get a site going? That's exactly what we need. We need, basically we need site. When we say a site, that's where the children are going to come and get their meals. And so we have sites in places like libraries and parks and recreation centers, community centers, apartment complexes, schools, churches, anywhere where children congregate during the summer. And we know there's children in those areas um, that are in need and they will be doing something and be out in their communities this summer. So wherever children congregate in your community is where we want a meal site, libraries and such. Um, And then we have sponsors, as I mentioned earlier, those are the organizations that are actually financially and administratively making this happen. So they are the ones who are buying the food, ordering the meals, delivering the foods to those meal sites. So really the need and the ask is on both of those fronts, those sponsoring uh, administrative organizations, as well as uh, sites that are looking to say, hey, kids can come and get some food on our, on our location. And if I understand correctly, where this all starts from is that those sponsors, they get reimbursed. Cindy, talk to me over who qualifies. If, if, if I'm moved to do this, who do I reach out to in my community to be a part of setting this up? Who, who is a partner? Who could be a sponsor? Who, how does that work? Okay, so there are a wide variety of organizations that can participate in this program, and they have to be nonprofit, number one. So we are looking at any kind of public or private nonprofit schools, college or or universities. Also, local, county, state governments would qualify. That might look like parks and recreation, housing authorities or libraries could participate, also, any kind of private nonprofit organizations, and that can be large or small, like the Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, Salvation Army. We also work with churches and, and food banks. Those are also great organizations. 
uh, a public or private nonprofit camp would also qualify. And um, as, as Tamika mentioned, we need partners and we need sponsors and sites in every area, every part of the state. And that includes large metro areas, medium-sized cities, small towns, and also those rural counties, anywhere where there's a high area of need and these organizations that are willing to serve meals to children. So that's my appeal. We hope that organizations will contact us so that they can get part, you know, get started on the program. And that's when we're recruiting these sponsors at this moment for, for the summer. What other requirements are organizations required to meet to be considered eligible? So to pre-qualify, there are a couple of requirements that need to be uh, met. One would be an, um, a nonprofit status, uh, an active 501c3. They also need to be, be able to provide or provide year-round services to the community for a minimum, minimum of 12 months. And they also need to um, be able to share their financial resources. Uh, um, records for the last 12 months because we're looking to work with organizations that are both financially viable and administratively capable. Mm -hmm. So we might ask for, and this is part of the application process, but we would ask for financial records that include bank statements, tax records, things like that. So once those requirements are met, then the next, there's a three-step process to um, participate. And the first step would be to request a viability screening. So once the pre-qualifications met, then I would um, send the organization a viability screening and they would complete that. Once they do that, then they would, once that's been approved, then they would be registered for training. And we have three training sessions this year, uh, one at the end of March and two in April. And that, that is required to participate. So you have to go to that training to participate this summer. And then the, once you're in training, you're going to get access to the application and you have to complete that application by June 15th. So that's three steps to participate. So let me, did I hear this right? First one is that you guys sort of make sure that they're administratively and financially capable of, of exactly. overseeing the program. Yes. Yeah. And then if yes, then they go to one of these three trainings. Well, yeah, yes, yes. They get, so the first step was, I guess there's a pre-qualification step. Then there is the um, viability screening that ensures that they're financially viable, administratively capable. Then there's training. And the last step would be the application process. Okay. All right. All right. Um, that seems doable. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Um, how how do they register? How would they find out more? If if I if how do I tell everyone I know <laughs> to participate in this program? You can email me right now at cindy.kicklighter at decal.ga.cov and I will send you the information to get started. But I'd like to invite everybody to attend a Happy Helping Summit that we're going to have on March 1st. It's virtual. Ooh. And anybody that's interested in learning more about the program can attend. It's a it's about a two-hour program and we go over everything, how the program operates. We talk about what's the difference between a sponsor and a site. We talk about the requirements of becoming a sponsoring organization. We answer all the questions that our audience has. And we also, the best part of it, we have a 
a panel of experienced sponsors and they share their tips and techniques um, to help a new sponsor get started. So I think it's a jam-packed information session and I'd like to encourage anyone to attend that. You can email me or you can email happyhelpings at decal.ga.gov and um, we can get you registered for that. That's magnificent. That's uh, your summit is on March 1st. It's virtual. Um, anybody can attend and yes. they can email you or email happyhelpings at decal.ga.gov to register and, and, or is that, is that the right answer? Yes. Is that how they yes. yes. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm going to go tell it on the mountain and make sure everybody <laughs> I know, because this is so important. Y'all I love this work. I love what you guys are doing. Um, and it's one of these critical issues. I mean, again, like if kids can't eat, they can't grow. They can't right. stay healthy. They can't learn. They can't. I mean, it's just absolutely mission critical, necessary for the well-being of our kids. Right. <laughs> so and let's get in there. When they have the meals they need or the nutrition they need for the summer, then they're prepared for school for the next year. And you're right. Um, you know, when they're, a child is not well fed, they can have medical issues. They can have behavioral issues. So nutrition is very critical for a child. This has been a stressful time for everyone, especially our kids. Let us take the stress of a hot meal, you know, and a full belly off the plate. Yes. Um, off the plate. See what I did there? Oy. <laughs> I like that. Uh, good. You're good. <laughs> I, was the, I am the worst. <laughs> All right. I'm going over this list again because um, you gave me a list. You gave me names to call out. I'm calling out names. So that's Clay County, Randolph County, Terrell County, Turner, Crisp. Early County, Stewart, Telfair, Darty, and Trutland. We're going right. to do what we we're going to we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. We got a goal. Listening audience, if you or anyone you know is in or near those ten counties, you better you better send them to the email address. <laughs> we would appreciate it very much. We'd love to work with you. Well, ladies, I appreciate your time very very much. I appreciate your work and your energy towards this and what you're doing. Um, and I appreciate you sharing your voice with us and our Field Notes podcast. We thank you. We appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you about the programs. Anybody has any follow-up questions? We love talking about these programs because we know they're doing a lot of great work in the community. So if anybody has any other follow-up questions and want to talk about them more, we could talk about this all day. So we would look forward to working with you. Excellent. Happy helpings at decal.ga.gov. Exactly. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right, Meryl, so we just heard from Cindy Kicklider and Tamika Bone with the Department of Early Care and Learning, Happy Helpings. And, you know, again, this is one of those interviews that really struck me because I don't think as much about the role schools play when it comes to students' overall well-being outside of the school year. So, you know, one of the things that really stuck with me is that when school is over, um, students who depend on their school as a primary food source are now looking for replacement meals, which says a whole lot about where we are as a society, but really emphasizes the importance schools play in communities. And that's something that we certainly can't and, and shouldn't downplay. And it's one of the things we talk about very uh, specifically in the, in the latest top 10. And so that really hit home for me in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the other things that I really appreciated as a comms guy and as a guy who loves branding and visual communications, 
they decided, okay, our, our brand is not in line with what we do. We're going to rebrand. The new logo was really cool. Renaming the program, I thought was very smart because in order to serve the people you care most about, they have to know you exist and they have to understand what you do. And if that's being lost in the name of your program or even in your visuals, it is very, very wise to uh, do what they did, which is to revamp everything. And it's so cute. I love their new yeah. logo. It's really, it's delicious looking. <laughs> it's very creative. I, I was, I'm impressed. And, you know, and the other thing that really struck me was the amount of people or the amount of meals they served, the number of meals they served from March 2020, I think it was, through August 2021, 20 million meals served to children. That is remarkable. And I think Tamika noted that was just what they were able to do. That didn't include their partner's reach. So. Oh, wow. my gosh. And and it doesn't include. I mean, they also talked about they're not in every county yet. That's not even all the need. I think you're exactly right. It really speaks to the impact that schools have on overall well-being, which the oh, my goodness, which the pandemic highlighted so strongly when when that access to regular meals during the regular school year went away. Um, and it yeah. just really highlights how important that's, that needs still exist during summer. Um, but it's not just the schools. One of the things uh, that really struck me was the partnerships that are available. How do I say that? Available isn't the right word. If you listening audience are not at a school, but you wanna be a part of this, solution. There are so many ways to do it. Um, one of the things they were talking to me about was there's in Bryan County, which is down in coastal uh, Georgia, but it's rural. Um, their leading sponsor is the county commissioner's office and their family connections administers their feeding program. Um, but they have a partnership with the jail to actually put meals together and put food in box. I mean, it's like this multi-sector crazy uh, system that they have built um, across the community to make sure that kids eat. It's not, the county commissioners aren't in business. They don't know how to put food in kids' mouths. That's not their business. They're doing other things, right. but they are an important foundational piece of the puzzle that makes that possible. Um, they talked about opportunities for businesses, you know, lending delivery vans and they can throw their, uh, they can throw their name on the side of the van if they want to. Um, but then they can just be part of the solution. They can partner with the solution that makes sure that kids have full bellies. Um, and there's just a lot of ways that folks can get involved and, and, and those partnerships make this possible, especially in smaller communities where, it's asking a lot to ask any one entity be the one who houses this entire process. Absolutely right. Yeah, the capacity is just not there. So to get all those folks involved and on the same page and working together is impressive. Hmm. It's cool stuff. There's cool stuff out there. Um, and it's so important because if you if kids can't eat, then they can't grow and they can't learn and they can't flourish and they can't thrive. Yeah, it, it certainly has long-term implications for those children, their communities, for our state as a whole. So kudos to DECAL and uh, Happy Helpings for the work they're doing and all the other partners that are 
working alongside them because this is important. This is very, it's very basic need that they're meeting. And I'm glad that there are resources available and people willing to do the work. And you're encouraged to be a part of it. Listening audience, <laughs> those 10, those 10 counties, we know your names now. So <laughs> I hope that um, if, if folks need support along the way, find the partnerships and, and, and let's feed our kids. All right. Well, that does it for our latest episode of Field Notes. We're so glad you were with us to listen and to learn. Uh, Meryl, good to be back with you. 2022 is looking bright. We can't wait to get back here for our next episode. Uh, absolutely. Thanks uh, for being here, Robert. And thanks for listening, listening audience. See you later. Hey there, listener. One more thing before you go. You've been hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you. We at the Georgia Partnership always want to get better at what we're doing. So let us know what you think so far. Also, what are we missing out there across this great state? Who's doing cool things in your neighborhood to support the education and workforce pipeline? What innovations and solutions has your community come up with around economic development? Are there some great partnerships between sectors like housing, health, transportation that are making a difference in your educational outcomes? We'd love to hear about them and spread the word about good work being done across Georgia. We hope to hear from you. Contact us, go to our website, gpee.org, and click on the Contact Us tab in the top right corner. Or give Robert, our communications guru, a call at 404-223-2464. Thanks for listening, listener.